Clever, Rocky, you know the rules. I want a good, clean fight. When I tell you to break, I want you to step back out my command and break. Now go back to the corner and come out fighting at the bell. Dead meat. This is not going to be a fight of finesse. These are two guys that really throw punches. This thing could end with one punch. Ski. Yeah. Hang him up, Ski. So look in his eyes. I have been anxiously awaiting a sermon series where I could use a clip from Rocky. I've got the box set, and I've watched them over and over, at least the first four that are worth watching. I've, I've watched them over and over, and I thought, one of these days we're going to come up with a sermon series, and something's going to fit. Our creative team was together, and we threw around a couple different titles, and when we said, about with doubt, I was like, Rocky. That scene, that scene when Rocky's up against Clubber Lang and he looks scared. Did you see the fear in his eyes? And he, he looked a little bit afraid and this challenger was there about to put him on the ropes. Today starts a new series called About with Doubt. Today I'm introducing this topic of doubt and over the next few weeks we're going to talk about specific things that cause doubt. All of us eventually are going to deal with doubts. It's going to come into our life, whether you're a lifelong follower of Christ, whether you've never accepted Him, or whether you're struggling right now, no matter where you are in life, potentially you could be dealing with doubt at any time. Potentially you could be knocked on the ropes of doubt. When I was 13 years old, I was at the Boy Scout camp, and our scoutmaster thought it would be really funny if he got out the boxing gloves and let the young 13, 14-year-old guys go at it, nobody's going to get hurt. They were big, thick gloves. And, and so I'd seen the Rocky movies, and I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> let me do it. So, so we get out there in this little makeshift ring, and, and uh, I go up against this guy I don't even know, and I'm thinking, all right, I'm gonna, I got it now. I've seen Rocky 1, Rocky 2. I can, you know, I'm going to nail this guy. I'm going to put him down. He's going. And, and I couldn't wait. And I got up there. And, and before I ever really even got my fists up, I felt this right here, this big red glove right there. And then the next thing I know, this is no joke, the next thing I know, it was like this. And I was laying there thinking, wow, this is what it feels like to be knocked out. And, and you know, the, the stars were kind of blurry, and, and they started to get get a little clear. And I was like, well, okay. I didn't, didn't know that's how it felt. Some of us today have been knocked out with doubt. Some of us today are dealing with doubt, not in a boxing ring, but in life. And maybe doubt's got you on the ropes. Maybe you've been knocked out by a wave of doubt. That has come into your life. There's a lot of things that cause us to doubt. If you've watched the news lately, you've seen this thing about the gospel of Judas and how they've uncovered and began to restore and reconstruct this 1800 year old document that supposedly is about Judas, the one that betrayed Jesus. And the press has claimed that this casts Judas in a whole new light, that maybe Judas. The guy that betrayed our Lord was not such a bad guy after all. 
And as they reconstruct it, they found out that in this writing, it says that Jesus pulled Judas aside to tell Judas things that he didn't tell anybody else. To tell Judas things that none of the other disciples were in on. And we watch that and you read that and you see it on the History Channel and on National Geographic. And and for some people, you see that and they portray Jesus in a light to where he may have had this conspiracy going on to make prophecy be fulfilled. And for some people, that causes doubt and it causes struggle. Then there's this book that came out a few years ago called The Da Vinci Code. And there's a movie coming out about this fictional book that tries to cast Christianity in a whole new light, that tries to put Jesus in a whole new light and look at him in a whole new way and say that Jesus and Mary Magdalene were married and right after his crucifixion she was pregnant with his child and she ran off and and just saying all these things that aren't true about early Christianity. And for some people that causes doubt to creep in And it creates a struggle. Every Christmas and every Easter, there's the aha episodes on news channels. There are the aha articles in magazines that say, we figured it out. We have figured out Christianity. Jesus really didn't raise from the dead. And they try to sow all these seeds of doubt, you know, to the rest of the world and prove that Christianity is a hoax. And Jesus couldn't have raised from the dead. So probably what happened, he was just unconscious. And then he woke up and moved the stone away and he walked out and, you know, he really didn't die. Or his disciples wanted him to raise from the dead so bad they came and got his body and took it away and destroyed it and began a hoax that would fool people throughout the rest of history. Sometimes when we see those things on television or read about it in an article, it can sow seeds of doubt and it can creep into our lives and create a struggle. Then... There's the Bible. 66 books, 39 called the Old Testament, 27 called the New Testament. About 40 people wrote this. The oldest book is about 3,500 years old. It covers the birth of the Jewish nation. It covers the birth of Christianity. And scholars and critics take shots at it. But it's the story of God redeeming mankind to himself. But people still question it. Scholars critique it. And for some people, that causes doubt and it creates a struggle. And then there's the person sitting here today who's still unemployed, who's still in a dead-end job, and no matter how hard you've prayed, it just doesn't seem to be going for you. It seems like everybody else gets the breaks and, and you don't. Some people here today are in debt over their heads and you don't know where to turn. Some people are dealing with marriage and relationship problems. And you wonder, why does it seem to work out for other people in their relationships, but not me? Some of you have had to deal with pain. Some of you have had to deal with loss. And some days it gets so hard that you think you just can't make it because you're so disappointed in what's gone on. You're even angry with God about why it had to be you or why it had to be your family member and why would God allow that to happen and when you start to let those go through in your mind you get in the ring with doubt and then the potential is for doubt to just knock you completely out when things like that happen in our life doubt can creep in and can create a struggle some of us today 
have stood with doubt and been squarely punched in the face over and over spiritually with doubt. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, I don't, I don't doubt. I don't have a big issue with that. Sooner or later, you will. Sooner or later, everybody has got to get into the ring and deal with their doubts. The first time a huge wave of doubt came into my life was when my wife and I were expecting our first child. And she got a report back from the doctor that wasn't good. That said, there's a large chance that there could be something wrong with this child. And I can remember the day she told me that how just this wave of doubt came over me. And I began to think, God, why, in the, why, why is this happening? How could you allow this to happen in my life? We've prayed to have this child. We've gone through months and months of prayer to ask you for a child. And now you've, you've given us that. And the doctor says there could be something terribly wrong with it. And I got angry with God. And I doubted. I doubted if God even cared. I doubted if He was even around, if He was even concerned about my life. But as I stepped into the ring with doubt, and I started to run through in my mind all of the doubts that I had, and I started to deal with them, my anger that I had with God that first day, that first month even, that I got that news, that anger that I had to deal with, that doubt in God that I had to just get in the ring and and go at it with this doubt... Little by little, that anger and that disappointment turned to understanding. And I began to realize that I'm just not going to understand everything that God does. I'm just not going to understand everything He does in my life. So at the beginning, my prayers were, God, take this away. Why would you let this happen? Make it better, make it better. And But by the end, my prayers were, God, whatever is going to happen. Whatever's going to happen, give us the strength to deal with it. And if this child is not born whole, then give us the strength to deal with it. And only by getting in the ring with my doubts and starting to deal with them was I able to eventually defeat them and overcome it. We're all going to deal with the doubt monster sooner or later. Because God is invisible. And in the book, Reaching for the Invisible God, Philip Yancey says this, God's invisibility guarantees that I will experience times of doubt. So, those of you that are here today that consider yourself a doubter, welcome. Because we all, at some time or another in our lives, have to deal with doubt. But you know, doubting is not really the issue. The issue is how we deal with those doubts. If we don't step in the ring now and start to deal with our doubts, when they come up, then they'll surface at a time of weakness. Then they'll surface at a time when they can knock us out, when they can take us completely out of the picture. Here's some things about doubt that we need to know. Doubt and disbelief are not the same. Doubt and disbelief are not the same. Doubting is wondering. Doubting is saying, God, I'm just not there. I just don't get it. I'm just not sure. Disbelief is quite different from that. Disbelief says, I reject it. I don't believe it. Doubt and belief go hand in hand. And if every single question were answered, if we got the why to everything that's ever happened in our lives 
then what would we need faith for? If every time we said, God, why? If every time we had that question, why? If every time it didn't work out and we said, why? If every time a relationship failed and we said, why? If every time someone was snatched out of our lives and we said, why? If every time an illness came along and we said, why? If every one of those got answered, then what would we need God for? Because He is the answer. Sometimes God does give us an answer and sometimes He doesn't. And that's the way He wants it. Just like you with your kids. Sometimes you give your kids answers when they ask why. And sometimes you don't. In the Bible, in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. So there's going to be a time in my life when I don't understand, when I don't get it, when it doesn't make any sense. And that's the time when God says, trust in me. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in me. And you know, even if God did tell us everything, I don't think we would get it. I don't think we'd understand it. Every religion on the face of the earth is an attempt for mankind to reach out to God, to reach out to something greater than himself, and find some answers. And try to find out, is there something bigger out there that cares for me, that understands me, that wants what's best for me? This doubt and disbelief are not the same. God also welcomes our doubts. And God will help us deal with it. God's not up there with the angels or whoever he's up there with saying, hey, you got to keep this hidden. Because if they find this out, we're sunk. If they uncover this down there, then, then they're going to find out that it's all a fake. God is not concerned with us finding something out about him that he's tried to hide. God welcomes our doubts. You know, even people who walked on the face of the earth with Christ doubted. Last week we talked about the resurrection and how that brings hope to our lives. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared first to ten of his disciples, and one was left out, and that was Thomas. And for some reason, Thomas wasn't there. And when the rest of them go to Thomas and say, you're not going to believe this, Thomas, he, he did. He rose from the dead, just like he said, and we saw him. And Thomas said, you're right, I'm not going to believe it. I doubt it. I, I, I'm not sure. In fact, guys, unless I can see him and touch his hands and touch his side where the wounds were, I won't believe it. A week later, Thomas had that opportunity to touch Jesus' hands and to touch his side. And Jesus said this, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. Jesus said, it's extra credit. You're doing great. If you see me and believe, great. But for those people that are going to come after you, Thomas, that will never see me but still believe, blessed are they. God never says, if you doubt, you're out. He's saying, if you deal with your doubt, if you stand toe-to-toe with your doubt and get in the ring with it and deal with it, you can conquer it, even though you may not understand everything that's going on. In fact, you know, dealing with our doubts can help get us closer to God. Because there are times we feel like He's far away, there's times we feel like He's close, but when we get into the ring and we start to deal with our doubts head on, face first, and God answers, 
whether we understand it or not, we begin to rebuild that relationship. And just like I did when I doubted God, it took a few months, but I felt closer to him by the end than I did at the beginning before it ever happened. So doubt is a great opportunity to grow in your relationship with God. There's some specific times that we tend to doubt. Some specific times when doubt comes into our life, when doubt seems to to just get in there and, and maybe have a chance to overcome us. One of those times is when Christianity seems irrelevant. Maybe things are going so well in your life. Maybe things are going so great that maybe you don't need God. Maybe you make plenty of money and all the bills are paid and the health is great and the kids are obeying and and the relationship with the spouse is going wonderful and what's God got to offer in all that? Because you're doing pretty well on your own. Christianity can begin to seem irrelevant when we start to just rely on ourselves. Another way Christianity can seem irrelevant is when it's presented in a way that makes it seem like a tired 2,000-year-old religion. It's easy to let doubt creep in. And our goal at LifePoint is to always keep things moving and changing and doing what's necessary to keep Christ and His church relevant because His teaching transcends time. It goes throughout all time, all cultures, and no matter where you are, who you are, where you live, where you were born, His teaching can apply directly to your life. But when people make a 2,000-year-old message sound like a 2,000-year-old message, I've had to deal with that in my life. Maybe some of you have too. When that happens, we can begin to doubt. Another time in our life when we can start to doubt is when something happens that we just don't understand. And all of us are going to encounter things in our lives that we just don't get, that we just don't understand. Relationship issues, health issues. And many things happen that cause us to say, why? And those are the times when doubt can start punching at us and we start getting hit in the face with doubt and it starts knocking us towards disbelief. And doubt hits us, knocks us across the room, and before we know it, it's like me back at the Boy Scout camp. Laying on the ground, just been in a fight with doubt, and I got hit, I'm knocked down. Um, wow, why, why do all, all the other people seem to get the breaks? Why? Why, why does my health have to be the one that's going bad? Why do I have to be the one that's dealing with relationship issues? Why was it my mom, my dad, my brother? Why are my kids the one that are rebellious? And we, we start to deal with doubt, and doubt just sometimes can just knock us flat on our backs. You know, the truth is, we'll never understand everything about God, but we do things and deal with things all the time and enjoy the benefits of it without fully understanding it. And if you ask my wife, she would say she does not understand me. But sometimes she's like, I don't get you at, at all. It does, you know, doesn't make sense. But she still enjoys me, right? She still enjoys the benefit of being around me. You may not understand how something works, but you can still enjoy the benefits of it. And it's that way with God. You may not understand all the ins and outs and how this worked and why this happened and how come it's got to be you. But you can still enjoy all the benefits that God has for people who trust in Him. It's natural. It's very natural to doubt when you don't understand. How could we ever fathom a being a being that created everything we see and know and, and, and even created us. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says, He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom 
what God has done. We can't fathom it. Sometimes we just don't get Him. Sometimes we just don't understand Him. In Jesus' ministry, when you read through the Gospel of John, He was doing really well. He was teaching and preaching and doing miracles. And and all these people started to gather around Him and they watched Him heal people. They watched Him walk on the water. They watched Him bring somebody back from the dead. And Jesus was gathering a lot of people around Him. And one day, He fed up to 15,000 people with just a little bit of food. That's a lot of people, 15,000. And then he takes an opportunity to preach one of the most confusing messages he could have preached. He said this in John 6, verse 53. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. That's kind of weird. doesn't make sense. Eating flesh and drinking blood? What in the world is he trying to communicate? Well, most of the people there would have understood he was, he was not talking literally. He was talking spiritually. He was saying to those people, I am the sustainer of life. Everything I have to offer can sustain you. He was saying, I am the exclusive way to God the Father. And just like God used to feed the Israelites, people way back in the Old Testament, just like he used to feed them, I feed you. And I'm the way to him. And then the crowd started to get smaller. And I can just see the disciples sitting around going, what is he talking about? There's 15,000 people here and we were just getting ready to take up an offering. And now he's talking about this, this, this blood and flesh and eating. And it doesn't make sense. And it said on hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And it goes on to say, from this time, many of them turned back and no longer followed him. And Jesus looked at his inner 12 and his inner circle. And he says, are you going to leave too? Peter responds in verse 68 and 69 of chapter 6. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. In other words, he's saying, this teaching is hard and I don't understand it. And Jesus, you might have said and done some things that have made people doubt, have made them wonder, but I'm here. And I'm not going anywhere because I've got nowhere else to go. He says, where else am I going to go to get the words of eternal life? And when Peter started to doubt, he quickly did what we all should do when we're doubting, He looked around at the religious landscape and he considered his options. Where else am I going to go? You may not understand it. Peter may not have understood it. But he did understand that Jesus was the one who had what he needed. After we consider the options, we need to refocus our attention. When we're in a bout with doubt, when we're in the ring with doubt and we're on the ropes... When doubt is just kicking us all over the place and it feels like we're going to be defeated and we're going to get beaten up and this doubt is going to knock us all the way into disbelief. When that happens, we need to just rise above it, to just get above the doubt, to just get past it, stand toe to toe with it and address it, but just get above the doubt and look around 
and look at what God has done in the past. Look at what he's done in your life, in other people's lives in the past. And then look at what God is doing right now. Because sometimes you got to get above it and get out of the middle of all the questions and all the wondering and all the doubt and just rise above it and say, look what he's done in the past. Look what he's doing now. And then as we're above our doubts to look into the future and look at what could be and what should be instead of just what is and think of all the things that God could and should have in store for you. Rising above our doubts, dealing with them, is a direction we all need to go in. And God is at work. And there may be days where we don't feel like He's at work in our little world, but He is. Doubt is okay. God can handle our doubts, but God doesn't want us to always stay in the ring with doubt. He wants us to rise above it. Don't miss the next two weeks of this series, Dealing with Doubt, because we're going to deal with some specific things that everybody deals with. And you're going to learn how to stand toe-to-toe with doubt and not let it knock you into disbelief, but let it strengthen your faith.